today on the Spring Hills Podcast. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into our current sermon series, Teach Us to Pray. Pastor Brett just finished up week two, and I think I can safely say that this series has been very well-timed considering everything that is going on in our community and our country throughout the world. So I have with me Pastor Brett, along with Gerilyn Valentine and John Knapp. We're going to share some of our thoughts and our own experiences about prayer, and we hope you are encouraged by what you hear today. So let's get started. Pastor Brett, I want to start with you. Can you share with us just a little bit about what your inspiration was leading up to this sermon series and why you chose to do this particular series? Well, uh, the inspiration really comes from wanting the church to have more prayer, you know, church-wide, um, and realizing and wanting personal more prayer personally, but realizing that uh, a lot of prayer meetings are not that exciting. A lot of my own prayer times, my mind can get distracted. I can, I can easily, uh, you know, wander off. And so, uh, I uh, attended a conference with Daniel Henderson, who's written a lot of books on prayer, and he has an approach which his whole approach is very biblical, as we'll talk about tonight. But his uh, approach to prayer keeps it uh, keeps you engaged, keeps you interested, keeps your mind alert, and so that prayer meetings aren't so boring, and we have more of them uh, personally and throughout the church. So that's the basic inspiration, get more prayer in the church. Awesome. Gerilyn, growing up in the church as a pastor's kid such as myself, can you share about your prayer life a little bit? Did you have any misconceptions about prayer as you were growing up? What have you learned? How have you grown in prayer as the years have gone by and you've gone through lots of education? You've been in ministry now for a while. And how would you encourage us as a church to be praying? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first things that come to mind are some of the really good things that I learned about prayer as a kid growing up growing up in church, just that God hears me. I think that that changes the way that we pray a lot, just like uh, that seems maybe obvious, but I think reiterating that to kids is so important, and my um, leaders growing up did a really good job of reiterating that to me, but I also think that um, I did maybe pick up on sort of the misconception that the main purpose of prayer was to approach God and petition Him for something. And so my, I don't think it was till significantly later in life that my concept of prayer was expanded beyond just uh, petitioning God for things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I think that a lot of people do pray in ways beyond that, but they wouldn't label it prayer because when we worship God, we are, um, you know, we're doing all these things. <laughs> and so uh, I think that that's, that's good too, but helping people understand a broader concept of prayer, I think is cool that we're doing that. Yeah. John, um, not exactly sure what your upbringing is with mm. within the church, but just same kind of question to you. What are some things over your Christian walk that you've learned about prayer? Maybe some things that you know now that you didn't, um, let's say, when you started in ministry or when you were yeah. a kid? You know, growing up in the church, I, I grew up in the church, um, and it was, you know, a big part of, you know, Sunday school and learning how to pray and learning the Lord's Prayer and kind of understanding that prayer is for God, but it's also for us. And, you know, kind of just to piggyback off of what Jer has said, you know, that there there have been many things that I've learned new about prayer over time. I think that for me, it can or it has been before, you know, growing up, uh, like a, you know, time for you to go and ask for what you need. You know, it's a, it's a request time. 
Um, and more than anything, you know, you begin understanding prayer to be less about what you need to ask for and more about, you know, wanting more of who God is, you know, um, prayer being that, that instrument that will align you towards the will of God as opposed to God aligning his will towards what you want um, based on what you're coming before him and asking for him. So, you know, um, prayer has been a, um, you know, a big part of my faith and my relationship with God, and it's always changing. And, you know, this, this whole 4-4 uh, prayer time has been a great, it's just a great outline, you know, to really, you, you realize you already do those things, but uh, an order is to it as well. There's an order to it, and there's also a good, good um, understanding of, of really seeking God's face, you know, before his hand, like you were saying in the sermon earlier today. Right. So right now our community and not just our community, but pretty much the entire world's kind of going through this crazy coronavirus thing. And um, something that kind of sticks out to me just as this, I mean, this, this series was picked out prior to this happening. And now obviously we are doing all of our meetings online. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to be doing a lot more media over the next few weeks, especially as we don't know um, where we're going to be in a few weeks as far as uh, being, whether we're the shelter in place will still be, uh, be going on or if we'll be able to meet again. But the idea of Nehemiah receiving this terrible news, what can we learn from this series uh, looking now at th the fact that we're receiving terrible news? There's people that are sick. There's people that are dying. There's people that are losing their jobs. There's people um, going through family issues. And then this shelter in place and the fear is kind of taking over um, in some lives. So what can we, we look at? And this is a discussion question, so feel free to jump in uh, where you are. But what can yeah. we look at at the way we can learn from Nehemiah to respond to bad news? Well, you know, just in verse 3 of Nehemiah 1, we didn't talk about this in depth. I did refer to it, but didn't read this verse. But Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3, it says, uh, And they said to me, the remnant there in the province uh, who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. So what Nehemiah hears that prompts him to go to prayer to God so that he could leave Persia and go to Jerusalem is that there's great trouble, there's shame, the walls of Jerusalem are broken down and gates are destroyed with fire. If you think about people's lives this way, mm -hmm. you know, where they feel like their boundaries have been invaded or they don't feel secure, the walls are down, they don't feel safe, uh, the, the gates being burned with fire, the intense emotions maybe the confusion, even some anger, all of that, people being in great trouble and shame, it, uh, it really sets up how a lot of people feel right now with this coronavirus. And it's probably going to increase. You can't go out of your house. You're not supposed to commune or talk with people, all of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So what prompted Nehemiah's heart uh, to really go to prayer and seek God is a lot of the things that we're feeling right now. Uh, so this, you're right, the timing of this series couldn't be better for us uh, to go, you know, to encourage prayer together. And God knew mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I like, too, I think that it's so cool that Nehemiah rehearses some of what has God, God ways that God has been faithful to them already and sort of quotes back to God. He quotes, you know, what God had promised Moses, things that he said historically. And that's encouraging to me in this time, too, to just sort of even in my life personally to rehearse ways that God's been faithful to me already. We're not in a brand new situation. It is, of course, unique right now. 
but um, we have encountered fears and challenges in the past, and God has proven himself faithful over and over again. And I think that's a big part of where you're saying start with yeah. an open Bible, you know, expose yourself to what God already has done before mm-hmm. you lose it in the midst of circumstances that right. are not entirely brand new, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think the whole idea of start with an open Bible, start with God, if, if everybody forgets everything else, if they would just start with God, I think it would change the whole direction of their time in prayer. Yeah, you know, if you do look at verse 3 and then straight into verse 4, it's like he hears this bad news, and his first thing, mm-hmm. his first thing is not to run to the store and get a whole bunch of food and toilet paper, <laughs> you know, and hand sanitizer and all that stuff. But what does he do? He, he takes a moment to take it in, mm-hmm. and then he begins the fasting and praying mm-hmm. before the God of heaven. So he says, which the God of heaven, you know, of heaven and earth and, and the creator of it all. Um, he goes to the creator, um, the one mm-hmm. who can really handle the situation and who's truly in control. And I, mm-hmm. love, I love that about the connection between where our series is and where we are in history right now and mm-hmm. everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. I know growing up, I was always a very emotional kid and my reaction was always fairly strong. So when things were going wrong, I was kind of one of those doomsday type like, well, it's over. This this is just terrible, and I don't know what I'm going to do about this. Um, and as I grew, I knew that was something that I struggled in, and I've tried to grow in my, uh, my ability to take a step back first and go to God. And instead of go to God and be like, God, please don't let this happen. Go to God and be, come to God in praise and come to God in reverence and um, acknowledging who he is and what he's done in my life. So now I want to kind of go a little bit further into this and go to this kind of idea where we can, uh, we can see the walls being broken down. How can that also represent the way that maybe sin can break, break us down and become vulnerable um, throughout our lives, instead of looking at it as something that's, um, you know, exterior with this virus right now, but our own life and the sin in ourselves, how does that break us down and become vulnerable to the enemy to attack? That's a really good question. And, and if you notice in Nehemiah's prayer, he does say in verse six, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. I now pray before you for the people of Israel, your servants, uh, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Mm. Now, the reason the walls were broken down is because uh, they were taken off to Babylon because of their sin. They mm. had fallen into idolatry. They had they were worshiping Baal. They weren't keeping God's commandments or his covenant. Mm-hmm. So you, you would say that. You could say the walls are broken down and the, the gates are burned because of the people's turning from God. And there'd be you know, somebody listen to this podcast, it may be that your life is where it is and you feel all these things, um, not because of your fear of the coronavirus, but because of different choices that we all make. And so uh, there's hope, though. God rebuilds walls. I mean, God, uh, you know, helps us feel his love when we feel shame and all of that. So I guess you would say the end result is the same. We seek God and he does the work. But some of the reason for a destroyed uh, protection and all that might be our own wandering away from God for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And the reason probably doesn't matter. It's that mm-hmm. you turn back to him and he can rebuild it. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. I mean, I, I, I totally, you know, you, you did say something in your sermon today where you had said, you know, taking responsibility for 
the things that are going on in your life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you approach God, when you respond to him, humility is the response to that, you know, and I I think Mm -hmm. taking responsibility, being humble and recognizing your sin, you know, Mm -hmm. um, no, no humble person is not going to not recognize their sin. You know, Mm -hmm. it's the pride that covers their sin and thinking that we're greater than, or, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, But, uh, you know, I think that, you know, taking responsibility for the things that we do in our life, uh, you know, um, humbly coming before mm-hmm. God, recognizing and thinking about our our lives in contrast to who God is. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the sin that we have in our lives is, it's a great illustration of the walls and of the gates and mm-hmm. of the ways in which we can, um, on our own accord, set afire the things mm-hmm. that we dearly want, but um, they... Our sin gets in the way. Our sin, mm-hmm. our sin messes things up. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you go through verses four to eleven, just notice how many times he uses "I" and "we." You know, first person uh, pronoun "I." We, well, I have sinned. We have sinned. I mean, there isn't a uh, sort of a blaming something else. Well, Lord, we fell into idolatry because right. you know the Moabites led us there. The Midianites. Uh, else's, yeah. Somebody else. You know, it's yeah. I. We have done this. And there's no real recovery without taking responsibility, and self-justification will never bring about mm-hmm. the recovery you want. Mm-hmm. That was a good quote. Mm-hmm. That was a really good quote. Mm-hmm. Ray Stedman, not me. <laughs> <laughs> let's actually, let's go specifically to the message today um, and just kind of ask you, Gerald, start, have you start off and just give us like your kind of your general thoughts about the message today um, and just maybe one big takeaway from it for you. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, I think one of the takeaways that really stood out to me um, from the story specifically, or not just the story, this actually happened, but um, from Nehemiah's story was just the fact that the people saw how quickly the wall was able to be built. You know, other nations observed how quickly it was able to be built and they credited that to God automatically. And I think that that gave me a lot of um, vision for sort of what I want to see in our church and even in my ministry personally, um, that I love to see God move among our church family in ways where it doesn't make us you know, people go, wow, Spring Hills is killing the game and they know what they're doing and we should all be just like them. But it's like, how are they, how is this happening? The only way this could possibly happen for any church is if God was behind it. And that helped me sort of um, really align even a vision and a prayer for this era that we find ourselves in with everything that's happening too. Yeah, that's good. And you, you think about the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, that model, how it ends, at least in the King James Version, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I mean, it begins with God and it ends with God. But uh, in Nehemiah's case, yeah, 52 days to rebuild the wall, which was a huge undertaking. If you've been to Jerusalem and seen that wall, I mean, it's not a small wall by any means. And uh, for the people to recognize that it had been done by God's power, that's that's what we want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's great. So I would tag on, I think that the series in general, the starting with uh, reverence has been such a game changer for me because mm-hmm. I have heard sort of that prompting before, but I think that really pressing into that right now has been really helpful to me, just saying I'm not going to begin with uh you know, risk with requests. I'm going to begin with reverence first. I think that's so good. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I mentioned we'd like to have prayer in the church be more exciting when, when we yeah. opened up. And part of the reason why it's not is because people leading prayer, small group leaders, or even me, staff, you know, oftentimes it's, okay, does anybody have a prayer request? And then you go around the room, and by the time you get around the room, there's no time to pray, or somebody has to close. Really bad for everybody. <laughs> yeah, and then you're feeling so bad. Um, oh, God. And then a lot of times it's a third-person, you know, thing, pray for my aunt, you know, mm-hmm. Matilda, who's who's across the country, and, and her friend is in the hospital. I mean, all of these things are legitimate, and God cares, but we, if we start with God, uh, Daniel Henderson calls it worship-based, Bible-based prayer. Mm-hmm. Worship-based, Bible-based prayer. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so, um, to your point, to begin with God, it just turn it into a worship experience. And then the, the things we start asking for are going to be really great. And we should pray for those other things, too, Absolutely. right? Yeah. John, you, you, uh, you know, I won't say I was going to think I was going to say, no, because you're— you got a you got a new truck, all right? Yeah, We're talking I about did. the truck. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I've been and praying. I've been praying about it. I've been fasting. Yes, I don't let the kids eat anything in <laughs> and it. Weeping. Right, you're going through all of that. The new Take truck your shoes stuff. Off. That's right. Take your shoes off and all of that. How has the Lord equipped you for this new uh, truck, oh John? God. That's yes. the big question. That's really what we're yeah. what we're here to do tonight is discuss the truck. You know, as I kind of think about this the the sermon and I think about the biggest takeaway for me, I, I love illustrations. I love being able to kind of use stories to kind of understand greater truths and deeper truths about who God is and that story of the gal I Florence her, Chadwick. Florence yeah. Chadwick, yeah. About the swimming the English Channel. Yeah. And uh, you know, giving up uh, not giving up. I mean, I guess. Well, she was swimming from Catalina Island to the coast of California in that illustration. But she's the one woman who oh, this, has gotcha. swam the, uh, is that the past Swam. Swam? Swam. Swimming. Swimming. The English Channel. Swam. Uh, anyway. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. She's Back to that was just the idea of like um, seeing who, like, so the fog, it was a foggy day, right? And she couldn't see the shore, right? And not being able to see the destination, which would motivate her to continue to go on, is what ultimately was this thing that kind of caused her to throw in the towel and give up. And then recognizing she was so close, um, yet so far, right? But kind of the idea of like, when we begin with who God is, Mm -hmm. an open Bible, um, understanding how big he is, how great he is, how much love he has for us, the mercy, the grace, the outpouring of his wisdom that can be given to us. Mm-hmm. I think about that and I think about how that's how you have to start. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't start with that, then you can easily give up. Even on whatever it is that you're going to ask God for, you would right. give up on even asking God for anything mm-hmm. um, if you don't start there. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I love that you also said earlier um, towards the top of the message that you know you don't want to be wooden about this. You don't mm-hmm. want to kind of feel like this is a this is an only way that you can pray, mm-hmm. um, but it's a great outline, and um, it will help you when there are moments in your life where you're like, okay, I just don't even know how to, how, how should I start? Let's start with, with who God is. So that's kind of been the biggest blessing for, for me. A lot of times for me, starting with who God is, um, and obviously that's what we're, we're talking about, right, is starting with reverence, but if I don't do that and I jump straight to the requests, um, I forget how I forget all the how big God is, and it's not like I doubt that God's that big and powerful, but it's not at the forefront of my mind when I just jump straight to, oh my gosh, our finances are a mess and we're doomed. But if I start with God, you're 
the, first of all, first off, our finances are not our God. God, you are our God. You're yeah, our father. And then start jumping into the other things. I start with that idea that God is the one that's got the control over all of this and know that he can handle it. And it's not all on, on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to, you know, don't want to forget that that's who God is before you start even getting to the point where you and, need, you need to ask for prayer and, for something. And in a way that's the big win for you when you go to God in prayer is when you, when you see more of who he is mm-hmm. versus just getting what it is that you're requesting for. Mm-hmm. And God wants to grow you in faith. He wants to help you understand who he is in view of what you're experiencing, mm-hmm. recognizing he can hold everything that we're, we're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, he's got the whole world in his hand, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and to, to kind of go back to that primary understanding of, okay, God really can handle this situation, mm-hmm. you know, going back to that truth and, and resting in that truth. But you, you don't get there if you don't start with an open Bible, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. um, the scriptures are alive and they're working and they're, they're very, they're very helpful for us when we're going through times like we are right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Lord's Prayer in, in Matthew chapter 6, it, uh, if you keep reading in that chapter, you get to the do not be anxious section. You know, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. Jesus says mm-hmm. what you'll eat, what you're going to drink, what you're, or about your body, what you will put on. And I was thinking about the provision prayer. I mean, that, that's a big one for a lot of people. A lot of times they mm-hmm. pray for this person, they lost their job or pray yeah. that so-and-so gets a job or, uh, you know, finances, this and that. And when Jesus says, don't be anxious, this whole section, he ends with seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's like, mm. don't even just seek God and his and righteousness and his kingdom. And don't worry about that stuff. It'll be added. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to your point, Garrett, when you start with God, you may not even get to your finances. I mean, you're just, right. you're just kind of wrapped up in trusting him. And it shrinks everything else. It shrinks everything else. We were doing this uh, model in our form, our form form model in a small group, and previously I had been sharing the prayer request that my group would pray for my dad, who's going through a lot of uh, just medical difficulties right now, and it sort of had the tone of, can we just pray that God gives wisdom and discernment to the doctors to take mm. care of my dad? And I don't want to diminish that prayer at all. I love that we pray um, for our healthcare providers and things like that, but that was a week that we didn't do the form on form model, and then a following week when we did uh, we started with reverence and responding to God and then moved into the request time. And I was very compelled to not necessarily share, you know, just heal my dad or, you know, give the doctors wisdom, mm-hmm. but instead saying, uh, you know, small group in the midst of what I'm going through in the context of what my dad's experiencing, pray that God would keep me from allowing the fear of this situation mm-hmm. to dominate my life. Pray that the Lord would just encourage my family to use this, this fear and and circumstances to just cast our dependence on him. And in terms of a prayer meeting being more exciting, I do think those prayers are more exciting than Lord give wisdom totally. to the doctors in this situation. Um, and oh. so I think that the the kinds of things that we ask for, which is what we've been saying around the table, the kinds of things that we ask for when we start with reverence are so much more exciting and so much more productive. And the kinds of things that are going to be on people's hearts later to pray, to truly pray for us later, not just in the prayer meeting, I think. Wow. It's well said. And yeah. Danny Henderson puts it this way too. He says, uh, pray the Bible back to God or pray the word of God that, back yeah. to God. The will of God. Yeah. No, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. No. So the way that he said, another thing he says is the best way to help your people apply the scripture to their life is have them pray it back to God. And I love that. Uh, so, you know, 
Bible-based prayer, worship-based prayer. We were doing a sermon series on prayer a few years ago, and one of the things that I kept hammering back to was how I grew up thinking, man, prayer meetings are so boring. I don't want to go to a, that prayer meeting was two hours. I don't want to go to that. You know, and like, still praying. I will, I will fall asleep. And Caitlin is one of these people that she'll go to a prayer meeting for two hours and oh, she's wow. in it and wow. she loves it. Wow. And I just, I can't sit still that long. But when we started doing these prayer meetings within our college group at the time, we started the same thing, started with talking about how you know, all the awesome within reverence, how awesome God is, how big he is. And some of the students started to, started to really kind of connect the idea that, wait, I have a direct line to the creator of the universe. That's what we're doing here. And it's like, yeah, you're not just talking to the air. You're yeah. talking to a mighty God wow. that literally breathed out stars and yeah. you've got the direct line to it. And it all of a sudden started to make them be like, wow, this is, this is cooler than I thought it was, you know, and it's kind of when you grow up, you pray for your dinner when you're at the table and it's just, you know, God bless the food. And it's just kind of routine. And when you get to the point where you remember who you're praying to and you remember who you're responding to in worship, it just makes it so much bigger and so much more exciting. Mm, that's cool. So when did you most recently feel the need for God's rescue? Yeah, I, um, I could speak into that because, you know, my wife and I and our family, you know, we're resource families for the county, and so that means we um, are resource parents for um, a little child that um, is in need of a home, and, uh, you know, we've, we've had her for um, quite a while now, almost, actually today is one full year, actually, wow. today oh, wow. is one full wow. year that we've had her to the day, and, um, you know, it's an interesting life to, um, to live uh, when you work with the county and you work with, you know, um, parents who are, are working hard to, to get the skills that they need to have their child back in their home. And through it all, there's, there's ups and there's downs and there's heartache. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had some real big heartache come into our family. Mm -hmm. And um, it was from out of nowhere. And we had no idea what was going on. We were super confused. And um, what we were experiencing was very difficult. Um, and there was a lot of um, hurt and a lot of emotion and, you know, my wife being upset and, you know, not really having a lot of control over what was going on, you know, really kind of humbles you to the place of saying, God, I need you. Um, God, rescue me. Um, and so we found ourselves, you know, late at night um, calling out to God and, and asking for him to rescue us from this, this place that we were in because uh, it was tough and it was very hard. And it was something that, you know, we don't, we don't want any resource family in our county to experience. But, um, you know, the thing is, the, the idea that, you know, the beauty that comes on the other end of, of when you go through that with God and how he refines you and how he shows you how much he is worthy to be trusted. And the song that kept coming to my mind and that I was being encouraged by with, with some friends is that even when I'm not knowing he's working, he's working, you know, mm, what's that, yeah, what's yeah. that, what's that line? Um, even when I don't feel it, even when, yeah, even when I don't see it, even when I don't see it. And that was kind of the, the, the thought for us was that mm. we, we didn't necessarily feel it in the moment, but our, our faith in knowing that God is a God who acts and he moves and he wants to rescue and he is there and able to, mm -hmm. um, you know, was very encouraging and, you know, uh, we went to scripture and we, 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 luckily had this great four four prayer that we could pray 
and and that allowed that allowed for it to to be something that really kind of walked us through that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm sensing, um, you know, you when you ask about a time you felt a, a rescue. I I mean, I'm I'm sort of feeling it uh, regularly. I I don't know totally what that's about, other than I think that when you get a vision of who God is, uh, you, you get also a real accurate picture. I talked about that in the message, but you get an accurate picture of who you are or who you aren't. And mm-hmm. as sort of the Isaiah vision in Isaiah six, uh, when he sees God high and lifted up and his holiness filling the temple. And he says, uh, woe is me. I'm, I'm lost. Yeah. I'm a man right. of unclean yeah. lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So I, I sort of each day, e- even this morning, and you know, this has been a great day of ministry and all that, even though it's been online, but even today feeling like God rescue me from, um, you know, just feeling like uh, how much I need you. And and sometimes you're, I'm aware of my own thoughts, not being, you know, focused on the Lord or being self-centered or some of the things, but, uh, yeah, I'm sort of feeling a daily rescue. <laughs> I could definitely knowing the potential of my own uh, thoughts and heart and everything else. Um, uh, so, what came to mind for me was a couple, probably a couple of months ago, I was going through a really severe season of insomnia, which we we've talked about before, right? And just a couple times in the past decade, I've had just a week, couple week long period of time where it was like just I was not sleeping, like just mm. zero sleep. And part of it is it's just kind of torturous to head into eight hours of sitting in the alone in the dark and all the thoughts that, you know, swamp you and you're just more vulnerable when you're tired. And mm-hmm. um, and there were multiple moments where I did cry out to God, like, God, I need <laughs> to fall asleep. <laughs> like, I need you to knock me unconscious right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'll knock honest, me out, Lord, knock me out. Lord. <laughs> But I'll be honest, the that uh, I can't think of a single example where I just in that moment fell into a state of unconsciousness. And so I have had enough, you know, experience walking with the Lord where I don't expect every moment that I cry out to him to be this sort of superhero moment where I really have the super tangible experience of him coming to my rescue exactly the way I expect him to rescue me. But if I think about this form four model, I do think that I would have had a very different experience if my gut reaction and the muscles that I had built up at that point was not to turn directly to God, knock me out, make me unconscious right now. I'm so tired. But if instead I did spend some time, you know, rehearsing some of the scriptures that I have memorized and and praising God in the midst of that, confessing ways that I have fallen short of his perfect standard, and then out of that place asked for rest. And I actually think that I could fairly confidently know that he would have that would have had a different experience if I had used that model. And I think that this model is obviously makes so fitting with God, but really with any relationship that we have with anyone who has given us so much and who we have let down so many times, it makes so much sense to start with just worship and confession before we ask for more. And I think that there's, I I praise God for not 
coming to my rescue the way that I wanted him to in that moment because it really illuminates to me right now just how important this pattern is in a way that I'll carry forward much longer than the rest that I would have gotten that would have been temporary in that time. Right. Yeah, Jer, I know that we have talked about before insomnia, and that was something I dealt with for around eight, eight or nine years where it was really bad. And it was the same thing where I would just, I'd lay there in bed with my eyes closed, trying to sleep, but mm-hmm. just wide awake for seven, eight hours and just be so frustrated because I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. I want to sleep and it becomes, God, just let me sleep. Mm-hmm. And after, I don't know, a few years of it, um, it became to the point where it was like, well, this isn't working. So what else am I going to do right now? So mm-hmm. we had this room that was separated from our house that was nowhere near any other of our neighbors or anything. And I'd go out there with my guitar and that's where I'd start, which was just starting to sing worship songs. Mm-hmm. And it became the, I mean, without even knowing the four, four prayer model, it became I'm worshiping God. And then it became, what am I, what do I need to repent of in my life? And it was, you know, the singing songs. So, so many songs are doing that. Mm -hmm. And then out of that came rest. I didn't even get to the point where it was like, God help me sleep. It was more just like rest emotionally. And it allowed me to sleep without me even getting to, um, you know, uh, the actual God, please let me sleep now that I've done the first two steps. Now (laughs) let me get, let me get to to this. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I definitely in that, that's one of the probably the biggest struggles I've had in my life is that because it is awful and you just can't function. All right. So tonight, starting the conversation, talking about some of the problems that are going on in our world. What is one thing that you can encourage or challenge uh, the listeners, our church family with um, in the context of this series? Teach us to pray. Hmm. Well, you know, if you can identify where the main fear is, um, <clears throat> you know, or what the main issue is, I mean, I've kind of got a lot of emotions going myself. I feel a little discouraged and I'm not even, haven't really identified it all. I mean, there's the, you know, the economy and there's not being at people's jobs and Mm. the church not being able to meet together. I mean, I, I think I need to go back and identify them and then identifying the, identifying them, um, turn them into an occasion for worship or praise um, you know, it's going the opposite way. Maybe it's uh, starting with what it is that's bothering me and then going from there to reverence for God and acknowledging his place in it. So maybe start with figuring it out. If you if you got an emotion, what is it about? And then take that to God. You know, for any anyone might be listening to this that has kids at home, mm. uh, little ones that are asking them 10,000 questions a day, you know. Uh, maybe not necessarily about what's going on, but just random stuff. Like if I could have another Rice Krispie treat after I told him no. Uh, why can't we build a tree why, house inside of our house? Can't we, can, we ride, can we ride our bike inside the house? Real question that was asked me the other day. Um, you know, I, I think you, you, you really kind of take this opportunity to really point your family, point your kids mm-hmm. towards, you know, the God uh, of your mm-hmm. house, you know, the God of this city, the God of our world. Um, use it as an opportunity to, um, you know, do devotions with them, to mm-hmm. uh, be a spiritual leader, um, to um, take in your devotional time, to um, spend time in prayer. Um, you know, we have so much time at our hand and mm-hmm. on our hands right now to really um, invest in that. Mm-hmm. That I would just say for any mom or any dad out there, take this opportunity for a forced mm-hmm. time at home to really. Um, lean in towards 
mm-hmm. the the spiritual development of your family and use mm-hmm. scripture and use um, you know prayer as a filter that your family sees what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd probably encourage you in that way. That's really good. That's really good. Uh, my thoughts sort of similar where I think across the board, people's time looks different right now. It's so f- rare that I hear someone say, yeah, I haven't, my rhythms and my schedule has not changed at all. Um, and I think that one of the ways that I've always, I've always sort of wondered why camp, uh, just people mm. have really powerful encounters with encounters with God at camp. And I've historically really attributed that to your rhythm is totally altered. So totally. You, you go someplace and like, your your morning routine you know the whole day is just completely different and i think that in shaking up sort of our normals um we're really primed to encounter god in a different way and so i realized that this is not camp (laughs) right now and this is there's way more gravity related to what we're going through but i think that everyone across the board uh seeing this not only as a crisis but also as a really cool opportunity to explore just where God has you right now and what kind of spiritual development he wants to use this time to really catalyze in your life Mm. so just like you said John really pressing into that and I also think Mm. in terms of prayer um, I've always been I was really encouraged when I went to school once a professor said you know, we talk a lot about seeking to know God, but it's sort of rare that we really seek to encourage people to be known by God. And so, of course, God knows us extensively, um, but I use that to remind myself that I need to really experience how well God knows me by being very vulnerable Mm. with him consistently. Mm -hmm. So in addition to worshiping him, confessing sin, Um, petitioning him, I think it's also really okay to come to God and say, I'm really stressed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I am really scared. And I just need to tell you that. And even though he knows that there's something so powerful in allowing yourself to be aware of him knowing that. Um, So I'd encourage that as well. That's great. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time to do this. Um, It is a very odd time within our church, within our world. Um, just going through this. So this is really encouraging even just for me, but I hope um, hope people can find encouragement in this, just hearing your thoughts on some of this stuff. So thank you for being here. And Brett, we look forward to week three. Yeah, I'm looking forward to week three also. Can you give us a little also. sneak peek, Oh, yeah, sneak be peek. From, It's going to be from the book of Acts, uh, which is an amazing, amazing account with a similar pattern of prayer, a threat, danger, all of that, and really turning to the character of God first and coming out of that time of prayer filled with boldness and filled with the Spirit. So I'm excited to bring that to you this week. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you, Awesome. Well, thanks again to Pastor Brett, Gerilyn Valentine, and John Knapp for coming in and discussing our sermon series with us. We hope you were encouraged by this. Stay tuned over the weeks for a lot more content coming at you. Thanks for listening.